Welcome to Wisdom from the Word of God, the Bible teaching ministry of Pastor Owen Butler, endeavoring to reconnect people with God. The Gospel according to John, chapter 15. Starting at verse 1, you will find these words. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Today, saints of God, amen, I want to talk to you in our series of lessons on spiritual maturity. I want to talk to you from the thought, making your connection sure. Making your connection sure. Saints of God, in this passage of scripture, some of you who have red letter Bibles will find these words in red letters. Uh, those words being in red letters denote that these are the words of Jesus Christ himself. There is no more authoritative word except the word of Jesus Christ. It is in this same gospel starting in chapter 1 uh, that the Apostle John contends with us that in a beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. And he contends that there was nothing that was made that was not made by him. By the time you find yourself to the 14th verse of that same chapter, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So John establishes right out of the gate on the outset of this gospel that Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the word. If there is any word, it comes from the mind of Jesus Christ because only Jesus Christ is God in flesh. So now when we hear from Jesus, then we've got the word straight from heaven. There is no delineation. There is no wondering or wishing. No, this is the authority above all things. I've talked to you on times past about the Gospel of Matthew saying that uh, Matthew wrote his Gospel to portray Jesus as King. Well I want to let you know today that the Gospel of John is written also to portray Jesus as a particular role and this particular case it's to portray him as deity. Well. That Jesus is God. That's why it starts the way it starts. 
John doesn't start with the immaculate conception. He doesn't start with uh, the manger and no place in the end. He doesn't start even with the genealogy of the people of Israel. Because John is writing this not to talk about him as someone who was born as an offspring of a virgin woman, amen, but to write him as God. It is in this gospel where we find where he says, before Abraham was, I am. It was that statement that sent the scribes and the Pharisees into a, a vehement fury against Jesus Christ because they knew what he was saying. He was saying, I'm God. When he said, I am, it was the phraseology that would lead them back to the burning bush. Where Moses came up aside the burning bush to see why it didn't burn up. And then from that bush, his name was called Moses, Moses. Go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses asked, who do I say tells me to tell Pharaoh to let your people go? He said, tell them I am that I am sent thee. It is that same I am that I am that Jesus is saying he is. Because he said before Abraham was, I am. So God himself is speaking to us about the veracity or the truth of what it means to be a vine. In this text, he says, I am the true vine. But before we go into that, amen, we need to think about the idea of the subject of this sermon, which is making your connection sure. It is my contention today, amen, in churches all over America today, that everybody who's sitting in the church hasn't made their connection sure. There are some who are walking in the light, and then there are others that are walking in darkness. Because if we walk in the light, we walk in one accord. But if we're walking in the darkness, we walk in discord. Are y'all following me today? So we find ourselves, amen, Jesus portraying himself as a true vine. But the interesting thing here is that he doesn't just say, I am the vine. But he says, I'm the true vine. So he's the true vine as opposed to a false one. Amen. Well, first of all, to set a a, a foundation for this series of lessons, last series, when we were talking about growing up day by day, we wrestled with the reality that church is not where you go, but it's who you are. We wrestled with Jesus' words when he said, don't go looking here, don't go looking there. Don't say it's over here or over there, but the church is inside of you. Well, in this series, we want to wrestle with the idea that the church is not an organization, but it's an organism. It's not an organization, 
but it's an organism. If you see the word of God and how God himself through Jesus Christ betrays the church as living inside of us, living, not organized inside of us, but living inside of us. It's an organism, not an organization. When Jesus uses the apostles, amen, to refer to the church, he calls them a living temple. He calls them a body because the church is not an organization, but an organism. See, there's something about organizations where you can, um, if you will, you can plug and play. You, you can take the head of an organization, amen, and replace that head with another. Well, In the organization where I work, amen, when I first started working for them, amen, over a decade ago, we had a head over the organization by the name of Maguire. McGuire got into a whole lot of misgivings and misdeeds, amen, and he had to step down and they replaced him with another head whose name is Helmsley. Uh, the organization goes on, amen, because it's an organization. You can take one head out and put another head in, but it don't work that way with an organism. Well, well. I, I, I don't want anybody to try this today, amen? But how about cutting the head off of one of the individuals in this church and see if you can replace that with another head and that body goes on? Dead organization. Dead organization. Amen. There's no life there because there's one head for one body. Out of creation, you got your one head and there's no switching heads. Amen. It is the same way with the church. There's only one head. And there's no switching that head. And that head is Jesus Christ. Just as the life of our body comes through our heads, so is the life of the church through the head, Jesus Christ. There's nobody else that can play the position of the head of the church except Christ. You try to replace him if you want to and you won't have a church amen you can have an organization but you won't have an organism and God has never intended us to operate like an organization he intends for us to operate like an organism and when you look at your own bodies amen you realize is that your left hand doesn't have a meeting on the right hand Your left leg doesn't have a meeting on the right leg. Amen. Your kidneys don't have a meeting on the heart and say, you know, I don't think you're pumping good enough. We're going to replace you. No, it doesn't happen like that. Amen. But what really happens in the body is when one of the members of the body is weakened, the other members of the body try to compensate. Right? The other members show their love, if you will, for the others by compensating and saying, now this one is weak, then we've got to do more in other areas. Amen. When you've got a bad ankle, amen, it's the other leg that starts to 
have pain and sometimes the knee because it's trying to compensate. It's trying to fill in the void. It's trying to assist the weak components. And that's how the church should be. When one of us is weak, the other should come along to compensate, to lift them up, to strengthen them, to see what they can do to make their day better. Amen. Amen. That's why prayer for one another is so important. Because what we're doing is we're praying for the strength of the other members. That's why the one another's, when Jesus says, love ye one another, pray for one another, bear one another's burdens. Because we're not an organization, we're an organism. And sometimes we talk about uh, the church from the perspective of an organization, but that's not really what it is. And when we talk about that, we talk about it as being a membership. And the membership is for the benefits of non-members. See, we don't become members of the church to just be selfishly members of ourselves and do for ourselves. But no, we become a church to bless those outside the church. Jesus has left us as a light into darkness. Not a light into the light. Amen. Amen. Because what good is a light shining bright amongst other light? It's when the light shines in the darkness that differences and changes are made. And you must realize that. And as we talked about in Sunday school this morning, it's not about getting in the church. It's about giving. Right? We're about giving to those who are less fortunate. We're about giving the gospel to those who are not saved so that they might come in and be able to experience the good things that only the Lord can give. Amen? So when we look at our text today, we are first confronted with the words of Jesus here in uh, John chapter 15 when he says, I am the true vine. We first have to ask the question, well, what is a vine and what is its purpose? Why is it important that we know that Jesus is the true vine? Well, first of all, if we look in nature and we begin to explore uh, vegetation that is in the form of a vine, let us go no further than the grapevine. Let us look at how the grapevine grows and from that vine sprouts branches. Mm -hmm. And on those branches are created grapes. Grapes are the fruit of the branch. But the branch is the fruit of the vine. You see that every branch cannot bear fruit unless it's attached to the vine. Mm -hmm. And this vine is not like any other vine, but it's the true vine. There's an idea about trueness as it relates to direction. Mm -hmm. There is what we call north, and then there's true north. The north is the magnetic north in which we see when we use a compass. When we pull out a compass, the hand goes and shows us where north is. But that's not true north. Mm -hmm. 
Right now, in today, that north is actually a point of magnetism in northern Canada, an island outside of Canada where the magnetism is the strongest and it goes into the earth that causes that, that compass head to point that direction. But that's not true north. True north is in the center of the North Pole. But you cannot find true north with a regular old everyday compass because it's using magnetic north. Today I want you to know that you can't find the true vine by everyday earthly means. You can't go around and figure out where the true vine is by looking them up in books in the library where great philosophers and and other researchers have said there's Jesus. You you can't find the true vine with regular everyday instrumentation. God has created a special and unique way that you reach him. And you have to get to him by faith. You can't get to him by going to the politicians and trying to get a special bill, going to the house that would make you a child of God. You can't wrestle with him. You can't send the military after Jesus to try to force him to make you a child of God. There is nothing that you can do in this world that can force Jesus to do anything for you. You've got to go true north with Jesus. You can't do it any other way. See, there are folks who are trying to find true north with compasses. There are folks out here today who are saying, you know, I'm a good person. You know, I don't treat anybody bad. I, you know, I, I give to charitable organizations. I mean, you know, I try to help people when I can. I mean, I don't lie on folks. I don't cheat. I, 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 don't, I don't steal from people. I, I, I never murdered anybody. I, I just think I'm good enough. I mean, I'm good enough because I do what I do. I mean, when is the last time I haven't, matter of fact, I haven't even told a white lie in so long. But that's trying to find true north with a compass. That's trying to find true north in your own power. And Jesus says, no, that won't work. The father says, no, that won't work because I sent my only begotten son to die for you. The reason why I sent him is because you had no way out of your predicament on your own in the first place. If you could have done it with your compasses, you could have done it with the law. But the Bible clearly says that everybody has missed that mark. The Bible says there are none righteous, no, not one. Paul the Apostle says in the third chapter of Romans that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You can't do it with an everyday compass. So Jesus says, you got to come to me by faith. It's the faith that is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Jesus says, you got to believe in me though you have not seen me. You got to trust me, even though 
you never met me in person. You, you got to make a leap of faith. And then you can find true north. Jesus says in the context of the Bible that he is the true vine is because some had believed that the vine or the true vine was Israel. See, Israel had gotten uh, arrogant in their ways because God had chosen them to be God's chosen people, to be a light unto the darkness of the Gentile world. Some of the uh, Israelites had believed, started to believe that they were better than everybody else. So they started to compete with the true vine, which we see in the Bible because that's why they wanted to kill Jesus. Because they didn't want to let go of the light. So when Jesus, the true light came, they wanted to snuff him out because they wanted to stay on the seat of Moses. They wanted to be the place where everybody clamored and, and, and tried to push in to get their way to heaven through the leadership of the Pharisees and the scribes. And Jesus is saying right now, they are false vine. But I am the true vine. The reality is that Israel was never supposed to be an end in itself. But Israel was supposed to be a means to the end. And the end was to connect them with Jesus in the first place. And so that is a warning for us today. Don't get haughty, don't get arrogant about your salvation in Christ and start to believe that you're better than somebody else, that you end up thinking that you are in, but really you are supposed to be a means. We are here to point folks to Jesus Christ, not to try to be Jesus in ourselves. We are no gods, amen. We're still sinful, amen. We're still falling short. The only difference between us and those who aren't saved is grace. If God hadn't touched our lives and turned us around and placed our feet on solid ground, we could be out in the streets being prostitutes and pimps, liars and serial killers. Amen. It's just that easy. Everything that's necessary to be right there is still in us. Because Paul says there's a war going on against the flesh and the spirit. So if God's grace doesn't continue to work in our lives, we can be right out there doing the most unimaginable things. The only difference is grace. So we look at the text. And Jesus in this text begins to explain some things about this life. The life of being in Christ. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. So imagine a vineyard. Amen. Vines everywhere. And there is a skilled individual whose position and whose purpose is to make sure that the vineyard operates at maximum productivity. Are y'all following me? That is his job to make sure that every branch is producing as much fruit as possible. So you see, that the Father and the Son, they work together in this life we call Christianity. That every one of us is not walking alongside Jesus Christ and he is our co-pilot and he is the one who comes alongside, but he is our life. Without Christ, we're dead. 
Without the vine, the branch dies. So this particular set of metaphors is allowing us to know that if we're going to live this life of Christianity, we got to live it by Christ. You ain't going to live it by an education from Harvard or an education from Yale. You're not going to live it by learning street schemes from those who are out on the street and making deals and switching and turning. Amen. You're not going to make it by political means. You're not going to be able to uh, pay all politicians that will put together bills to help you get to where you want to go. No, this don't happen that way. Not at all. And God won't let it. It's got to come through Jesus Christ and him alone. He is our life. Everything we will be, have been, and are today should be Christ. Not seeing us, but seeing Christ. So the text is saying to us that the vine dresser, the father, he's watching. He's watching every branch. And he's seeing what the branch is doing. He's looking at these branches carefully because his purpose as a vine dresser, the father as a role of the vineyard keeper, is to make sure that every vine, every branch, operates at maximum productivity. And every now and then on a vine, there comes about some vines that look like they're the true vine, but they're really a malformed branch. And, and so that non-true vine starts to grow off of there and then starts to have branches off of it and those branches die because those branches aren't in the true vine. That's what the Lord is saying in this text. Look at the text carefully. He says that every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. The vine dresser doesn't fool around with dead branches. The vine dresser is not looking around and saying, well, if I put another set of clothes on them, maybe if I dress them up a little bit, maybe if I send them off to seminary, maybe if I send them off of the hollowed halls of academia, that they'll start producing fruit. Now, God knows that you can't do that by external means. There's not enough education in this world to make you start producing fruit. Because producing fruit is not an educational situation. It's a life situation. You got to be in the true vine. And see, the false vines, like the Pharisees and the scribes, they were in the way of God, saying they were for God, but they were having people groveling up to them to try to find the truth and the life. But Jesus comes onto the scene and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So Pharisees and scribes, Sadducees, and every other leader that wants to be in between me and my people, you can get up out of the way because you're illegitimate in this life of being the vine. So the father's looking carefully and he's saying, hmm, that one there is not on the true vine. And that one's not producing any fruit. Snip. Cut. Not prone, 
but cut off. Stacking in a pile. Here's one. Here's another. Here's the ones that said they were doing good things and they were good enough. Here's the ones who said that they could do life all by themselves in the pile. To be burned up in the fire. See, the reality is God's not playing when it comes to his church. See, there are folks today that think that they're alive, but they're really dead. They think they're on point. They think they're going the right direction. Matter of fact, they're even giving to the church. Some of them are there, but they're still trying to live life according to their own sources and not of the true vine of Jesus Christ. And the Lord's not going to miss not one of them. He's going to cut them all off and cast them away. But now that we know about them, amen, let's look at those who are in the true vine. Look at the text. And he says, and every branch that bears fruit. Now these branches that's actually producing. He prunes that it may bear more fruit. Saints of God, I, I want you to know today that we don't need to look too far past this word prunes. We need to be careful. And we need to ask ourselves the question, have we been cut on or have we been cut out? Have we been cut on or have we been cut out? Because unfortunately, there are going to be folks who have been walking around on this planet, amen, thinking they're all good. No lightning from heaven has come down, and the life they've been living, the way they've been living it, it's worked out. They ain't really been trusting in Jesus, but, you know, they've been getting raises and promotions, and, you know, they live a pretty good life. Maybe a woman who has a great husband, a man who has a great wife, they have two kids and a dog and everybody's well. They got a big house in the suburb. I mean, life's been good. Amen. But at the end of their lives, when they thought they had it all together, here comes the vine dresser. Clip. Just like the rich man DVs who thought he had it all together. Oh, he, he ate sumptuously every day. He, he lived with the, the best of, of clothing. It said that he dressed in purple. He was royal. But he didn't look out for those who were in need, like the poor beggar Lazarus that was at his gates. Amen. Where the dogs were licking yeah. his sword. He thought he was all right, but one day he died. Yes, and the Bible said he lifted up his eyes in hell. See, this life we live today is serious business. We need to be continuing to do an introspective of our own self to make sure, am I in the true vine or not? Does how my life uh, uh, unveil, does it really line up with what the word says my life should look like? Or is my life some uh, imitation of the real thing? Amen, because Jesus says, I'm the true vine. But if you are part of the true vine, your work is not done yet. Because the Bible uses the word prune. I want you to know that pruning 
is not a comfortable process. He's not cutting you off, but he is cutting on you. Because every one of us, whether we believe it or not, we got some dead twigs that need to be cut off. No matter how well we're doing today in our lives and how well we might be doing in our ministry, there's always something that needs to be cut away. It may not be something that any of us could ever see in this church building. While we're together doing ministry. Matter of fact, you may even be able to hide it from your husband or your wife. You can go on years and years and only you know you got that problem. But I contend with you that there's somebody else who knows too. And his name is God. And so it is those things too that we have learned to hide so well. Because ain't nobody like Christians that's been running in this race a little while how we can make ourselves look better than what we really are. We're masterful at that. But God sees right through it. God says, that I test the mind, and I know your heart. I know where you are, I know what's your problem, I know where your weaknesses are, I know where you need to be pruned, because he's the vine dresser. And his position is designed to make sure you bring about maximum productivity. And you know what, you can't have your maximum productivity when you're dragging along with dead twigs and stuff hanging off that branch. That's a bunch of weight to slow you down. And as a matter of fact, you can't produce the kind of fruit that you need to produce because part of the life that should be going to the good branches are going to these twigs. And so they are taking away that which should be used in the good branches to bring about good fruit. So the vine dresser has to come by and clip off that line. Clip off that envy. Clip off that selfishness. Clip off that lying tongue, that gossiping tongue. Clip off that backbiting. Clip off the laziness. Clip off the sloth. Clip off the manipulation and duplicity that comes with humanity. See, we might not know each other's duplicity. We might know, not know each other's weakness, but God does. And I'm so glad about that because if not, we would never be what God has called us to be. Because we would be too good at hiding our infidelity. We'd be too good at hiding our slothfulness. Too good at hiding all of the thoughts and all of the actions that we do that nobody whom we think are important sees it. But God sees it and God is working on it. You better believe if you're in the vine that the vine dresser is clipping. So when you're going through situations and it's painful, amen, Sometimes even you don't know it, but God is clipping on you. God sends us through tough situations so that we now can see that we're not as good as we thought we were. If you think about it, when we're going through good times, man, we look good and feel good, don't we? Sister Bonwell, we feel like, whew, man, I'm good. I'm past that. I'm over that. 
Man, that don't even bother me no more. Oh, but when the tough times come. Sometimes it's just a tough time like you might be riding with somebody and don't realize, amen, they might be going to the liquor store. And it might, you might have had a problem with alcoholism, but you've been good as long as you stayed away from the, alcohol, from the, from the liquor store. But now you're being confronted and you start to feel the pressure and the urge to go inside and get you some Mad Dog 2020. Amen. You feel the urge to go in there and get you some, some wine or, or something else or some, some slits or whatever you drink, amen, or whatever you loved, amen, whether it was bud or whatever, you now like, oh my gosh, I thought I was over this, but now it's back in my face. Well, well. That's because the Lord, the vine dresser, wants to bring it up and clip, clip, amen, and it hurts. Sometimes you got to be confronted by other folks in your duplicity. Sometimes you've got envy on the inside of you that doesn't get brought up until the right situation shows itself and you look and say, hmm, well, I don't understand why they got to have that. I should have had that. And that green-eyed monster of envy comes up in you. And then the vine dresser goes, clip, clip. That's because we need it. And then as he removes those things in our lives, we begin to bear more fruit. We become more loving. We become more patient. We become more kind. We become more giving. We become more understanding. We become more compassionate. We become more empathetic. When God gets to clip, clip. But before that, sometimes we look down at those who are doing this and doing that and we're like I can't believe that they're doing that until the Lord comes by and said well look at yours clip clip how would it be if we put your sin on display amongst everybody how do you think they would feel about you would they look down on you so you better not look down on somebody else amen clip clip so today in this message today out of these two verses we realize the true vine is our life. And we got to be careful in this life, amen, to realize that tough times come only to make us strong. It is not on the mountaintop, but it's in the valley in which we are strengthened because it is during those times when the vine dresser comes in and prunes the branches. So saints of God, as I close this message, I can't help but think about the true vine. The true vine that came down through 40 and two generations. The true vine that was born of a virgin. The true vine that was wrapped in swaddling clothes. The true vine that was born in a manger. Laid down in an animal's truck. For you and for me. The Bible says that the true vine grew up in Nazareth. A place of no good report. But he grew up there for you and for me. The true vine, Jesus Christ, uh, he came down so low that he'd always be low enough to pick 
you and I up. But the true vine doesn't stop there. After 30 years on this earth, the true vine started his ministry. Giving sight to the blind, giving speech to the dumb, giving the ability to walk to the lame, and also giving hearing to those who could not hear. It is the true vine that shows us what it means to be humble, shows us what it means to be compassionate, shows us what it means to love one another as the Father has loved the Son. But that wasn't the end of the story. He was lied on by those who should have treated him well who said that they knew God but they cursed Jesus and Jesus being God's son but he didn't stop loving he didn't stop teaching he didn't stop praying and he didn't stop working and it is some instruction for you and for me when folks lie on you and talk about you and scandalize your name don't stop loving don't stop teaching don't stop praying and don't stop having compassion because when you do these things you exemplify Jesus Christ but that's not the end of the story one evening in the garden of Gethsemane the true vine was praying for you and for me praying so hard his sweat was like drops of blood and it's in that time that Jesus said if there's any other way father let this cup pass from me but because he was humble because he was loving he says nevertheless not my will but thy will be done. There's going to be some times that your will is going to contradict with the will of God. But you got to say as Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done. Are y'all hearing me today, saints of God? But that's not the end of the story. While in the Garden of Gethsemane, that the Roman soldiers came and got Jesus. Oh, and they were going to take him to six kangaroo courts. They marched him from kangaroo court to kangaroo court, lying and slandering his name. But even with them devils and foxes that Pilate had to say, I find no fault in him, Mother Collins. They had to say, Mm-mm, what is his charge? But Pilate was such a wimp that he went with the people instead of going with God. But that's not the, still the end of the story. After whipping him all night long, they drug him down the Via Della Rosa, which means the road of red, the road of anguish, the road of blood. Jesus was carrying his cross and then he fell under exhaustion. And they told a black man named Simeon to pick it up and carry it for Jesus. They marched him down the Via Della Rosa 
outside the walls of Jerusalem to a place called Golgotha's Hill. And it was in Golgotha's Hill, the hill of the skull. It wasn't a beautiful place. It was worse than Nazareth because the only thing was there was death and condemnation. But that's not the end of the story. It's right there in that place, Mother Collins, as you talked about this morning, that he decided he could have called down a legion of angels, but he decided to let himself be nailed to the cross. They put nails in his hands and nails in his feet. But they made a mistake because they lifted him up. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, then I'll draw all men unto me. And Jesus has been drawing men and women to him ever since. But that's still not the end of the story. He was on that cross from the third to the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, he laid his heads in the locks of his shoulders and he died. He died for you and for me. All our sins, past, present, and future was on his shoulders. And he died for you and for me. They took him down off of that cross and they put him in a borrowed tomb. Because Jesus wasn't going to be there very long. Why is he in a tomb? Well, he had to really be buried. And our sins be buried with him. Never to rise no more. The Bible says they were cast into the sea of forgetfulness as far as the east is from the west. I don't know about you today, but that's good news. Because I don't need the Lord to bring up stuff that I've done in my past. Because it'll send me straight to hell. But the good news is that I'm living in the grace of God. And one of these days I'm going to see my master face to face. Because I'm in the true vine. But that's still not the end of the story. Three days later, there was a shaking and a rumbling. A rocking and a rolling. And Jesus got up with all power in his hand. Ain't that good news, saints? That we don't serve a dead Jesus. But he's alive and well. Sitting now at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and for me and one of these days the true mind is coming back he's coming back for you and me a spot a church without a spot or wrinkle will you be ready will you be ready you don't want to be cut off but you want to be cut on be in the true vine making your connection sure God bless you and God keep you is my prayer. Amen. The doors of the church are open. Amen. We never want to take for granted that everybody is saved. So at this time, if you know in your heart, amen, that you're not connected with Jesus, you know in your heart that I'm around the church, but the church is not inside of me. That I don't have a relationship with Jesus where I talk with him and he talks with me. Right now is the day to get that straight.
And if you're a believer and you feel like that you have been walking away from the Lord, you, you, you've kind of been walking, he's still with you, but your relationship is strained. Right now is the time to get that business fixed, to talk with the Lord, amen, and to ask the Lord to forgive you, Lord, and to reconcile you with him. And if you need prayer, amen, today, we're here to pray as well, amen. We're here to pray because the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. Amen. Amen. There is a room at the cross for you. There is a room at the cross for from the word listening family I want to thank you for listening to the episodes of this podcast if you are listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts I have a big favor to ask of you would you go out and give this particular podcast a 5 star rating and also would you add some review notes specifically about what you like about the episodes what you like about the preaching and the teaching and I will be eternally grateful. Thank you again for your support of this podcast.